0: Okay. The parish of Kitisa. The parish of Kitisa. Now, the parish of Kitisa brings to the table a lot of problems of order, chronological and otherwise. We're not going to consider them at all tonight. We're going to consider something else. I just mentioned that so that you should know that those problems are really there. What we're going to talk about is, Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from Har Sinai. Now in order to talk about that, I have to remind you of something that we learned in the parasha of Yitro. The parasha of Yitro, everybody knows the parasha of the Ten Commandments. So we call it Batan Torah, but that's a little bit more difficult. But the Ten Commandments are Serat the parasha of Yitro now after Moshe Abenu after the Torah teaches us the Aseret that they there is the following the following Sukim which uh, are uh, not on your sheet but you have to remember them I'm sure you remember them ok I said I would have a rule that says that people whose cell phones play certain kind of music can keep them on but uh, I'm not sure that that would make it. <laughs> anyway, this is what it says in Yitro. There are three psukim, three psukim in Yitro that are not on your sheet, and those three psukim say the following: V'chol Amro imeta ha kolot v'thalapidim v'et kol hashofar ve'tahar ashein v'yarah ha'am v'yanu v'yamdu mirachok. Again, we're not talking about chronology. But this has certainly got to do with Moshe Rabbeinu bringing the Torah to B'nai Yisrael the first time. The first time meaning Vav Sivan, the sixth day of Sivan. The entire nation, Roimet Kolot. Right? that's a kind of difficult pasuk, but, you know, it's comforting to know that there's something we don't understand. They see the voices. Oh, you know, that sounds good. Because if it was at Har Sinai, I guess it could be. I, mean, I don't know exactly what it means, but it could be. V'et thats fire, light. V'et kol shofar, v'et So what was there? They saw the sounds. They saw the torches. They heard the sound of the shofar and they saw the mountain smoking and they decided that they were scared frightened, and they didn't want to come close to this scene it was too much for them and so they came up with this this remarkable statement Yisrael, right, the Jewish people were chosen who had Mitzrayim, who got out of Mitzrayim, who came to Har Sinai. old I mean, Jewish history is about getting to Har Sinai. So they say to Moshe Rabbeidu, look, I mean, this was very nice, very exciting uh, event. Uh, um, could you count us out of it in the future? Like, we'll just wait for it to happen. And when you, Moshe Abedu, come, you'll tell us what happened at Har Sinai. But it's a little too hot for us, a little too... Uh, exciting for us a little too, too much light too much smoke too much noise too much of everything and so B'nai Yisrael said that So it's so lucky that trying, it tries to argue with them don't worry, it's a nisayon, it's a trial, right? He says all kinds of things. Next pasuk, Bayamod ha'am uMoshe arafel asher sham ha'elokim." So you see that B'nai Yisrael made a choice. They made a choice based on their visceral reaction to what was going on, and they suddenly realized that they were afraid. They were not afraid, I guess. Uh, It wasn't fear of the presence of God. Not that kind of afraid. It was like afraid. Like the whole thing is going to come tumbling down. The fire is going to spread. The sound is going to overwhelm them. That's what they were afraid of. And so they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, You go up on Har Sinai." And in fact, that's what happened. This story is told again in the book of Devarim by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu speaks... He does it a little bit differently, but that's not, not the point. I just want you to remember that Moshe, that Bnei Yisrael chose not to participate in Matan Torah as much as they might have. Much as they might have. I mean, no one told them to, to move back. No one told them that Moshe Rabbeinu would do it by, by himself, on his own, for the benefit of the Jewish people. Rather, I mean, everybody understood that that's what they were doing there. They were standing at the foot of Har Sinai in order to come close, as close as possible. In fact, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told them in chapter 19, in Yitro, No, you can't come. You can't go up to the top of the mountain. You can't go with Moshe Rabbeinu. And so the impression is that they would have wanted to go. They were stopped called a gvul there are limits not everybody goes every place but everybody wanted to go everybody wanted to be there when this unique event in history not Jewish history but in all history was about to take place I mean they knew that but after having a trial so to speak vav sivan Moshe Rabbeinu goes up at Mount sinai the the event is taking place but then Yisrael say oh no you don't have to stop us from going up anymore we're not interested in fact we like this idea that you Moshe Rabbeinu will represent us we can even take a few steps backwards right? that's what the pasuk says I know you don't have the pasuk in front of you <laughs> it says Vayar ha'am vayanu'u and the, the, the nation saw what was going on that's the end of the story of the Mata Torah of the parasha of Yitro and then Moshe Rabbeinu of course went back up on Har Sinai and he was going to stay there for 40 days and 40 nights and get whatever HaKadosh Baruch was going to give him which was some combination of the writing on the Luchot, what was written on the Luchot, and what we call Torah. What we call Torah, not Torah. Torah shebichtav, Torah Sheb'alpeh, right? some kind of, like, like Moshe Rabbeinu learned the Torah in Har Sinai. He learned the Torah in Har Sinai. What exactly it was that he learned, it's hard for, it's hard for us to determine exactly. Because if you would ask, as the Gemara asks, did he learn the parasha of Bil'am on Har Sinai? Remember Bil'am? An unsavory character who gets a whole parsha in the Torah. Because against his will, Bil'am, he said things that were worth recording. But did Moshe Rabbeinu learn the parasha of Bil'am on Har Sinai? I don't know. On the other hand, one could say, that Moshe Rabbeinu learned Torah Shav Al Peh Har Sinai, because what does Torah Shav Al mean? It means, it is what the Torah Shav means, right? So, so of course, our God Hashem played to Moshe Rabbeinu what it means, right? The classic example, the classic example that uh, appears in a book that I, that I read when I was a kid, again and again and again. A book uh, which is recently translated to English, amazingly enough. It used to be like, you know, to read a Hebrew book was a big deal. But now it's not a big deal because you can read the, every book in English. Which I guess is something remarkable or something not remarkable. Well, it depends how you look at it. So the book is called Dorenu Mulshe Lota Netzach, written by a man named Aaron Bart. Aaron Bart and Aaron Bart, I think, if I remember correctly, he said that he wrote this book for Bnei Akiva, for kids in Bnei Akiva. Kids in Bnei Akiva weren't full-time yeshiva students, and they didn't, or, or, you know, in Western Europe. We're talking about the Holland and Germany and France and, you know, those kind of countries where people were uh, very uh, knowledgeable about some things but fairly ignorant about Torah. So uh, he wrote this book. At which he tried to explain to everybody that there had to be a Torah Peh. Because it's inconceivable that a Kodesh Baruch Hu would tell Moshe Rabbeinu to make tefillin and not show him what the tefillin looked like. Therefore, there had to be a Torah Al Peh. It's inconceivable that HaKadosh would tell Moshe Rabbeinu to tell all the people to build a Sukkot. But not tell him what a sukkah look like. Because a sukkah, our sukkah, doesn't look exactly at all like the kind of sukkot that these uh, farm laborers build for themselves to get a little shade on the hot days. So that Tarash of Alper, Tarash of which is the correct understanding of the Tarash of iftav, this he wrote in that book, I think it's a good, it's not a bad argument. You could try it. Try it around the table on Chavez, see how, how it goes. Not bad. But he says, I mean, you know, like, it's like every argument. If you're very clever, you can do it in. Right? But if, uh, well, let's say we're not so clever, so try it. See, see how it goes, see how it goes down. Sometimes uh, uh, even weaker arguments win out when the other people are eating cholent. Cholot is like a, 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 is a, is a stress, a very strong stress on your mind. It's very hard to think clearly when you're eating cholot. So you could try it. So he said, he said, Torah is implied, I don't mean he was the first one to say it, he, just, he said it in this book that I read when I was a kid. And that was written for young people who didn't have anybody to talk to. That's why he wrote this, uh, that's why he wrote this book. Aaron Bar. And as recently, I saw that it was translated to English. I don't know who did it or who sells it or anything like that. But you know, there are there are Hebrew bookstores in Yerushalayim that only sell English books. Now, this is, I think, you know, a remarkable, a remarkable turn of fate. Somehow, I don't understand. You know, there are there's bookstores you go into. I go in, but you know, from time to time, just by accident, I'm in the neighborhood. I say, "Do you have any Hebrew books?" <laughs> there's a svarim outside. It's a svarim. I used to think that uh, svarim. I remember when I came to Ushalayim, it seemed to me that people sold svarim because they wanted to sit in a store and learn all day long. That's what I. That's how you chose that field. Right, today. Today, I think people sell Svarm if they recognize the name of the book. Right? Oh, that's the blue one over there, or oh, it's the, the red one. It's like a different, a different style. Listen, not, not all progress is good. Sometimes it's a little shaky. Anyway, so that's what we have it. That's what happened after B'nai Israel received the Torah. They kind of stood back. They stood back and they said, Moshe Rabbeinu, you go. So they they changed the script. It's what it sounds like in the Torah. That the script originally was that B'day Yisrael would go, would go with Moshe as far as they could possibly go. And HaKodesh who stopped them. HaKodesh said, this is it. This is the, 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 the limit. Now at the end of the parish of Kittisa, at the end of the parish of Kittisa, is the story of Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from Har Sinai. Now this story of Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from Har Sinai is probably the story of Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from Har Sinai after 120 days. Right? You know, there are 40 days Moshe Rabbeinu was on the, on the mountain and then he came down then they had the whole story with the Egel which is a good story but we're not dealing with that now. Then Moshe Rabbeinu was in the camp for 40 days, kind of clear up the mess that had been created with the and HaZahav, etc. And then Moshe Rabbeinu went up for another 40 days on Sinai to get the Luchot again. About the Torah, we don't know. I'm telling you, but Moshe Rabbeinu knew the Torah already. What he was doing there for another 40 days, we don't know. We'll have to wait till they put out the movie on that. And then then we'll know. But but right now we don't know. Right now we don't know. At the end of 40 days, 40 and 40 and 40, Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, And that day, if you compute it a little bit, I mean, we don't know, I mean, the tradition is, that that day was Yom HaKippurim. And it could have been Yom HaKippurim. And the first thing that Moshe Rabbeinu told B'nai Yisrael to do, when he came down, the first Torah that he taught them, is the Torah of the Pasha of Truma. Truma, right? Two weeks ago, right? There was Truma, and then Tetzaveh, and now we're up to Kitisa. When Moshe Abed came down from Sinai, he taught them Truma. The first thing he told them was, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants of B'nai Yisrael is to build the Mishkan. So we have more or less, even though we have questions why does this come first or why does this come second or why is this here why is this there but that's what seems to have been the order now when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai if you look at the sheet Shmot, Perek Talab Edalet Posuk Posuk Kavzai we'll look at it and make a, try to make a few comments Vayom HaShem HaMoshe Lecha Ktavlecha et advarim ha'aila kia'l piha advarim ha'aila karati itfabrit ve et yisrael. Ktavlecha, ktavlecha is problematic. Write to you, for you, for yourself. But, you know, it could mean write yourself. You write, you do the writing. You know, you haven't got anybody to help you. It could mean that. But chazal were a little disturbed about this, and, and all the, also the later Perushim, we a little disturbed about this this word, Lecha uh, uh, and then it's Et etta HaEle Ki Alpi HaDvarim ha'eleh Karati Itcha Brit Ve'et Yisrael, I mean, who knows what the Dvarim ha'eleh are the Torah Shebekhtav probably, Dvarim ha'eleh, the things that Moshe Rabbeinu learned at Har Sinai where he wrote it I don't know, and what was written in it's a kind of a mystery. Rashi doesn't help us much. He says, Lo alpeh. Rashi says it's a kind of a general idea. lecha But na, al So it wasn't exactly that Kodesh Bochel was saying to Moshe Arbet something he had to do right now, but he was telling them a general, he was giving a general instruction. And the general instruction was, lecha what is permitted to be written, and don't write the things that are not permitted to be written. Okay, so we have we have a, a difficult pasuk. but we have a, some idea of what that pasuk is about? So Moshe Rabbeinu wrote on the luchot. Hadvarim, hadvarim. so this is a different story you know that they were luchot and luchot were broken and now Moshe Rabbeinu uh, brought uh, uh, stones and, and, and he wrote the second luchot the first luchot were apparently written by a the second luchot were written by Moshe Rabbeinu indicating that they had a different status there was a different uh, quality to them they were not the same in other words history doesn't in this story doesn't repeat itself but it's only a reflection of itself. And when you look carefully at what happened, you see that it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same. So that's what that's what it's that's what it says. That it says It's like emphasizes this remarkable that Moshe Ben was able to spend forty days without eating. So this is like the story is being given to us in an encapsulated way. So Rashi says That means the the latter Luchot. The former Luchot already broken and put away in an ark someplace. Not the ark of the Mishkan but a different ark. And the Luchot are there. Now Moshe Rabbeidu comes down. He comes down uh, Yom Rashi says. Rashi says several times in his commentary that this took place on Yom Hakipurim. And then uh, the last the last phrase. Read it, Moshe, sinai again, you see before the last part of pasuk kaftet, Moshe lo yada kikaran. Or panav bidabro ito. Now this, this creates a tumult. You know what a tumult is? This is really, like, creates excitement. People look at I me, mean, I'm talking about for people who look at the Chumash and read psukim. For them, this created a bit of excitement. How did this get into the story? What is this karan or panav? First of all, I don't know what the words mean exactly, so let's take as a as a jumping off point. Let's take Rashi. Rashi's Karan, the Shon and this was, you know, in the Middle Ages, in uh, you know, in the time when people used to paint paintings of things like scenes, not like today, where people don't know anything about anything. So you just scratch paint on the on the canvas. But there was a time people knew about the chubesh, and they knew about stories, and they and it was to paint them. So this Rashi, I don't know if it's only from Rashi, but this Rashi made a strong impression. Lashon karnaim, horns. The light came out of Moshe Rabbeinu's head like two horns, except they weren't horns of horn, they were horns of light. And a lot of uh, paintings that you might find or look at or have the pleasure or displeasure to note have light coming out of Moshe Rabbeinu's head that looks just like horns. Sha'or mavhik u'bolet k'min k'erim. These are actually trying to explain it to you. Mav is belated. It comes out and mavhik. It's shiny like, and it looks like a horn. Rashi gets right to the jugular. Rashi gets to the jugular, by that I mean, Rashi is going to explain the unexplainable part of this story. And the question is, what, where did they come from, these horns? Were they in a horn bank on Har Sinai? I mean, we don't find that HaKadosh Baruch gave horns to Moshe Rabbeinu, horns of light or any other kind of horns. So whether Moshe Rabbeinu like turned a switch on on the way down from Har Sinai and he lit up, I mean, what has this got to do with the story? What has it got to do with Matan Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu had light coming out of his head? Rashi asked the question. Rashi asked the question based on the Medris. You know, Rashi doesn't ask usually, doesn't ask questions that haven't already been asked. But he focuses our attention on them, and what was the question? Where do they come from? Rabu amru min ha me'ara shenatan hakorish Yadel al panav kapi perek lamed gimel. That's what it says. Perek lamed gimel this pasuk is also not I just, I just have to remind you that I, I, this, this is like the, really the most difficult part of the story of the relationship of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Moshe Rabbeinu in this story Moshe Rabbeinu says <laughs> HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe, she Moshe Rabbeinu Moshe wants a promise after the Chayta Egel after the forgiveness that everything will somehow work out. And Moshe Rabbeinu and Hakadosh Barucho says to Moshe Rabbeinu, matzata chayin beEinay chet nun is a difficult word, and the Kabbalist made a lot out of that word matzah chayn. HaKadosh Baruch found chain in Moshe Rabbeinu. It wasn't only Moshe Rabbeinu. Noah had chain. But that was not what Avrum Avinu had. Right? There's something to think about. What's har eni Moshe Rabbeinu seizes the moment. And he says, if we were like Maimonides or the Rambam, so we would say that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to know k n o w about God. He wanted to know more. Yeah. Tell me more. So Hakadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, "There is a limit. You cannot see the face of God. Man cannot see the face of God. So whatever that means, I, I, don't, I don't know what it means. But I'll say, I'll say like evil, I know. I'll make believe. So I say, up to knowing God is Adkan. We're just like Matan Torah. Adkan. So Moshe Rabbeinu said." I'm not like B'nai Yisrael. I'm not running away. I'm a I want to go closer. But I realized that I got as close as you could get in the world. I, mean, I don't know what to do, I'm on top of the mountain. Right, I was on top of the mountain where God, where the kavod of HaKodesh Baruch was to be found. So in order to get closer you have to give me a path. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said, I want to get closer. So the HaKadosh Baruch said you can't see Panay. That close you can't get. V'haya ba'avo k'fodi v'savticha benikrat tatsur. Nikrat tatsur <laughs> is a, a crevice in the rock which Rashi here calls me'ara. A cave. I will put you in the cave. V'sakoti kapi alecha ad avri. V'hasayotit kapi Right? So God says, my, with my hands, 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 what are the, I don't know, I mean I'm waving my hands, but I don't mean that that's what we're talking about, I don't know what we're talking about. Godish Mochul says, my hands will cover you and you won't be able to see my face and after I pass, so to speak, then I will remove my hands and you'll see my back. So if we, tra- we translate it mystically, you would say, oh, you want to see everything? no that you can't see that you can't understand you want to understand a little more than you understand now? okay I'll give that to you now how did this get into Rashi? Rashi asked the question Rashi asked that great question Uh. where did these horns come from? horns equal light right? horns equal light we'll call them horns They're not horns. I don't know what they are, but they're not horns. As we will see later on, they're not something sticking out of Moshe Rabbeinu's head. It's light. It's like laser beams. You could see them. Right here, you don't see the light. Right, the light is diffused in the room, so it's all light, but you don't see a ray of light. So that's like maybe that's how it was. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu had rays of light. But again, you know, it's okay to speculate as long as you know for sure that you don't really know so speculation is a way of making it easier on ourselves because you have to say something, oh, I don't talk about this boss so I can just, just stand there and say nothing so I say something but that doesn't mean that I know what I'm talking about Adarabha. Adarabha. it's 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 my, it's a human weakness we talk about things we do not like just stand there in awe. We look at pasuk in the Chumash and say, "Oh, wow!" You know, like let's go on to the next pasuk. We always, we always say something. You know, we say something. So when we say something, we devalue the pasuk a little bit because the pasuk is talking about glory, right? The the the, the presence of a Baruch Hu. We don't know too much about that, but we say it anyway. We say it. So here's Rashi. Rashi said, "If you look again." Rashi in Pasut Kavtet Amru So where did these Karnei Ahod Come from? Everything comes from somewhere yeah, Moshe Rabbein didn't pick them up In the, in the Har Sinai you know, They were that's lying on the ground They weren't like these long life batteries Or something Where did they come from? Meaning When did HaKadosh Baruch Give this to Moshe Rabbeinu? so Rashi says Raboteinu amru min ha-me'ara right Nikrat Hatsur Moshe is put into this into this cave and then and then HaKadosh Bochu HaKadosh Bochu passed by Moshe Rabbeinu and we're Ra'at Achorai right Shunatan HaKadosh Bochu Al Panav remember God placed his kaviyochol hand on Moshe Rabbeinu's face, so that Moshe Rabbeinu should not see God like passing. But then he was taken away, and and uh, and then and then he saw the back, so to speak, less of God, but more than anybody else. And that contact, that connection, that's a connection, that's a contact, right? Right? You say that's because God is there. In shul, don't you say that? Uh, put it on the front of the shul, what do they have here? It's like very modern, modern to, ta- to take another pasuk, right? Like, you know don't want to do what the Jewish people have done for the last 2,000 years, nah. There's a, a lot of pasukim, uh, so there's a, a different pasuk. but there once was a time that people in shul would be careful to say, Dal, if they, me, I have to put it right in the front of the shul, because that's what a shul is that's what a shul is it's the place it's a mishkan ma'at that's what the Gemara says mishkan ma'at it, it has the, the, the capacity to be a mikdash but it's, it, it's unlike the mishkan that God was there the mikdash ma'at needs a little effort you have to die, if they meet Chateau Maid in order for Akkodish Bog to be present, right? It's like it's like a deal. It's a deal, shoe is a deal. That's why you go to shoe. Because you want to get the deal. You want to get the deal. don't have to go to Shul. You can in at home. I mean except for certain selected portions, right? But I'm thinking in general. Yeah, you can dive it at home. But you don't get the deal. You don't get the deal. Let's say women have a certain advantage. Like during the week, they don't dab it in shul usually. I'm not, I'm not uh, telling anybody what to do, but they don't dab it in shul usually. So they have the advantage of no one to talk lush and horror with. They can dab at home. So they talk to the wall. I mean, you know, it's like... Uh, but they miss out... The Dalefs name Mi'atam, unless they make it in the house, they make a little corner where they always go with like a davening corner. That's a good idea. But I'm like making a suggestion. If I had any suggestion to make, I'd try to become Rosh Mamshallah. But uh, I don't have a suggestion. So you see that Moshe Rabbeinu got the Karne Or from some place. And the place he got them from was a connection with our Baruch Hu. And that the connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu left a roshan, left an impression. And that impression was not just intellectual. It's as, though, it's as though the Torah is teaching us that you can't. You can't come face to face or, or face to back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and just come out with an idea. It's not just another chapter of the Guide to the Perplexed. It's a real... It's a real, I mean, it can't not affect you. It can't not affect you, but you come into contact with such a thing, with such uh, an idea. So you become different. How did Moshe Rabedu become different? He became... He became light. He became light. Now, what's the reaction of B'nei Yisrael? The reaction of B'nei Yisrael... uh, If you have like a little literary kind of feeling about things, Moshe Rabbeinu became the embodiment... Of Har Sinai. What was there on Har Sinai? A remarkable event. Which could contained light and sound and shofar, uh, and, uh, but some kind of uh, lapidim. The light came from lapidim, from torches. As we saw in the beginning, we read those besukim. Now Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from Har Sinai, and Israel says, said, look Moshe Rabbeinu, you go and when you have something to tell us come down and tell us and all of a sudden here's Moshe Abedin coming down from Har Sinai and he's Har Sinai you know it was this, this idea that God is present in our midst but this idea which, uh, which today means all kinds of strange things but in those days meant Har Sinai we, we don't want to go there We don't experience that. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu coming back to them. And he's that. He is the light of Matan Torah. He is the Moshe Rabbeinu who came so close to HaKadosh Baruchot that he turned into the light. So B'nai Yisrael, they haven't changed. They're the same as they were before. And the end of the Pasuk says, The end of the Pasuk says, Vayiru Mideshet Elav. And they were consumed with fear. The same fear that they had before. Remember, 120 days earlier, they were afraid to come close to Har Sinai because coming close to God was, sort of physically close to God, was too frightening. And they sent Moshe Rabbeinu to be their agent. And here's Moshe Rabbeinu coming down from Har Sinai with Har Sinai. He's Har Sinai. So, of course, what did they do? They suddenly realized that Ha'asinai was walking in their direction. So, they turned around. and they went back. They ran away. Let's look at the Rashi. <laughs> look at the Rashi. Rashi sometimes is like, you know, but you don't want to miss it she <inaudible> says look at how great the power of transgression <inaudible> he compares it to another pasuk. he says you know they saw they were standing at Har Sinai of per- Dalit." Per- 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 uh, per- 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 what was a big fire. A big fire is a big light. They were standing there looking. She says, they weren't afraid. And they didn't get nervous. They weren't shaky. They made the eagle HaZahad. And they knew they were caught. They were caught in the act. And they were not the same B'nai Yisrael that came to Har Sinai anymore. They Suddenly everything frightened them. Okay, that's not the point that I made. That's the point that Rashi makes. Anybody who wants to take Rashi's point over my point, you've got full permission to do that. But my point is that after Matan Torah, they were afraid. They were, that's what the Torah says in the parish of Yitro. They were afraid they stood back. And here again, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from Har Sinai, they're afraid... And they stood back. Uh, one more Pasuk. Uh, uh, we'll get to it. <coughs> pasuk Lamed. Pasuk Lamed, Vayar Aaron Hobane Yisrael Moshe, Vine Karan or Pana Vayumi elav. Pasuk Lamed Alif. So Moshe called them back But the people were still afraid The people who came back to Moshe Abenu, To a Moshe and Aaron and the Nisi'im the great, the great leaders of Am Yisrael But the people did not and Only after that after they understood, the B'day Israel saw that you could do it, that this was like a possibility. So they also came to learn the Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu. Vayechal Moshe midaber itam al panav masve. al panav I mean, whatever it uh, uh, means, Rashi says, if you see the, four, the third wide line in the Rashi, Pasuk Lamed Gimel, if you go two more lines, <coughs> Rashi says so Avkan Rashi, Beged So Rashi explains the pasuk that Moshe Rabbeinu had a hood that he would put over his head when he wasn't teaching B'nai Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael understood. Israel understood that the light was important and that they could approach the light when Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching Torah. Teaching them Torah. But when they were not learning Torah, when they were doing regular things in the camp, then they could not take bare the light that Moshe Rabbeinu contained. And Moshe Rabbeinu had to put on a masveh. He had to put on one of these ski caps. You know, cover up his face, and had two holes for the, for the eyes... Now, the Pasukla Medalid, Ubavo Moshe Lifnea Shemle da Berito, Yasirata Masveh at Seito, Vyatsavidibel Bene Israel at Asher Yitzuveh. So Moshe Rabbeinu would go into the Old Moed, he would take off the Masveh, and I guess the light would come out of Moshe Rabbeinu, and he would learn from HaKodesh Bochum and then he would go out and teach B'nai Yisrael probably in the same way first Aaron and then the Nisiyim Aaron and then the Nisiyim and only after that he taught all of B'nai Yisrael so it turns out that the light of Matan Torah B'nai Yisrael could not bear and they didn't change their mind about that light but the light of Moshe Rabbeinu was different It was possible to bear that light if Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching them Torah, but if Moshe Rabbeinu was not teaching them Torah, then the light was tremendously oppressive, and Moshe Rabbeinu covered his face, covered his face in order to prevent them from being oppressed by that light. Now, I want to um, uh, just—it's important to know there's a Tanchuma. Tanhuma is a medrash, right? You remember and in the Tanchuma in the Tanchuma there are several Rashi chose one but there are several uh, sources for the light where did the light come to Moshe Rabbeinu so look at the Tanchuma Moshe lo yada ki karan minayin zacha Moshe le karnei old omer azal min hama'ara from the uh, cave she ne'emar Oh, that's Rashi that's Rashi and then they quote a pasuk from Chabakuk where it's peric Gimel Pasuk 4 that's where the power is hidden the power is hidden in this light. It's a apostolic that fits in very well. <laughs> a second uh, a possibility. <laughs> so when Maha Kodesh Bokh was teaching Moshe Rabbeinu Torah and Har Sinai, so the teaching produced Sparks. This is not Kabbalah. This is the Tanchuma. Right? This is the Tanchuma. The, the, so sparks. Sparks were produced. So Moshe Rabbeinu took the sparks, or took part of the sparks, and that's where the light came from. Rabbi Shmuel BaNachma, another third opinion. HaLuchot or Shisha Tvachim, Rechman Shloshat Tvachim. HaYam Moshe Machzik B'Shnei Tvachim, HaKadosh Baruch B'Shnei Tvachim, where did Moshe Abedu come into contact physically so to speak with HaKadosh Baruchu? because they were holding on to the Luchot together Moshe Abedu held on on one side and HaKadosh Baruchu on the other side and that's where the Karneha or came from it was from a contact from some kind of contact with HaKadosh Baruch Hu fourth opinion Fourth opinion, but it's not so important that there are four opinions. What is important is, I'll tell you in a minute, the fact there are four opinions don't bother me. But what is interesting is, Moshe Rabbein was writing the Torah after all. Not talking about the Luchot. Talking about the Torah. That Moshe Rabbeinu, what happened to the Torah Moshe Rabbeinu wrote basically? I told you, I have not yet seen the movie. But this is what it says in the Medrash, that Moshe Rabbi was writing the Torah, so he had a kulmus, he had a pen, <coughs> and he had ink. He had a pen and ink, and then it says, ba kulmus kim'ah. A little bit of ink was left in the Kulmus when he finished Verviro al-Rosho, and he spritzed it on his head, this holy ink. You know, today everybody everybody knows Kalbach. Know, everything could be holy. So this was holy ink. It was a holy spritz. And the holy ink and the holy spritz produced Mimenu Nasulo he says that's what Rab, Rab uh, Shmuel says. How could he not know? Because he didn't realize that that would be the result. That spritzing the ink on his head would be the result. Would result in Karneha on. So, there are four opinions. The fact that there are four opinions doesn't bother me in the slightest because they all agree. They all agree that the light came from a special connection, a contact that Moshe Rabbeinu had with the Rebunished Light. How that connection take, took place, was it here, was it there, was it this way or that way? That there, there, there's a, a dispute about, because the Torah hints at it. But there is no dispute about the fact that the carne or represent Moshe Rabbeinu on a higher level. Something happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, let's turn over the uh, let's turn over our sheets. The Meishin right? by the Ishbitzer. The Ishbitzer published in Chavuk Sheni. There are two volumes. The Meshiloch is published in two volumes. Both volumes have material on Parshat Hashavua. So this is what the Ishbitzer says says or said. <coughs> Remember that pasuk? And I told you, I said that Parshanut has a problem with that Lecha Adar Rabbah, Moshe Rabbeinu is writing the Torah for B'nai Yisrael he's not writing Torah for himself Why is the Torah saying Ketav Lecha so I said, if you, if you don't want to say that this is a grace, of so fine, good, you know. But you could say it's a kasher, right? You could also, you don't have to be stubborn. You say it's a kasher. So what is the the to say? Hashem baracham im Kodesh Baruch said to Moshe I'm teaching you the Torah. And the Torah has words in it. That's Torah Shemuch And the Torah has explanations. That's Torah Shemalpeh. It says, Even though it may seem to you, at at this moment, that the words of the Torah are understandable. (laughs) They're in the Lo yasigem ha'adam, rak... The only way that man can really understand the Torah, I mean really understand the Torah, not just translate the words, and not just have interesting ideas about the words you've just translated, but understanding the Torah, meaning understanding the intention of the rabbinic loyum in giving the Torah. That's what understanding is. That's what understanding is. Today, we play by different rules sometimes. Not we, but some people play by different rules. The, the Beis law says that Hakadosh said, "Ktov lecha et advarim evel." Write it for you, because after the Torah and for Rashim because Makom lo yisigem haadam, Rakesh yabipa Hashem The only way to get the Torah is the way you, Moshe Rabbeinu, are getting the Torah, where you are looking face to face in some way at Hakadosh Baruch who is teaching you the Torah. You need a teacher who knows the Torah, and who's the teacher who knows the Torah? For Moshe Rabbeinu, it's a kadosh borchu kaviyachol. Moshe like, Torah, kol And Moshe Rabbeinu was desirous that just as he learned the Torah, as he learned the Torah face to face. Confrontation with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu was the teacher of uh, of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's uh, uh, clearly stated in the, uh, the Rambam. Says in the Hilchos Talmud Torah, Hakadosh Baruch Hu taught the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu. he He wanted that every single Jew would have the Torah in his heart. A, a, a tent peg, a yateid that would never, never waver it would never be shaky in other words Hashem said write it for you because you really understand it and Moshe HaVadu said ok I really understand it I want to be able to teach it and get the same result that HaKadosh Bokhu got teaching me the Torah They'll never be able to understand what you understand. Because Moshe Rabbeinu is looking clearly at HaKadosh Baruch when he's learning the Torah. Rakol Echad Yavin Gato. That's what the law said. But if we were writing this Dvar Torah, we would say that the law could have said it differently. He could have said, And why did Moshe Rabbeinu come down with the Karen of Or?" Because the carrot of Or made, Rav Moshe, uh, made Moshe Rabbeinu in loco HaKadosh That was the light of God. It was the light that came from the touch of HaKadosh Baruch. Either the Nikrat Hatzur or uh, the, the Dio that he used to write the Torah so that when HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu "K'tav Lecha Moshe Rabbeinu said But that's not what well, I want I don't want it to be only Lecha I want B'nai Yisrael to be able to benefit from the Torah So Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Karne Or And it's interesting that learning Torah B'nai Yisrael were able to withstand the light not learning Torah, they were not able to. So Moshe Rabbeinu and Har Sinai was able to stay 40 days and 40 nights without eating and without sleeping. He was constantly involved in the light of the Torah. But B'nai Yisrael, they couldn't do it without eating and sleeping. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to wear a masveh. He had to cover up his face when the people were not learning Torah. When they were eating and they were sleeping they couldn't stand the light of the torah and i think i'll finish i want to finish with a story somebody told me once that we tell stories everybody appreciates it so you know some people always do the opposite of what they tell them so i don't like to tell stories but here's a story from the best a story from the best as you see it's in the internet someplace but right, it's not that. it's like today today when you want to reference something when you want to say something is real, authentic. You say, Oh, I got it from the internet. So I hope that this is real and authentic, but it's a good story. Right, the Magid was a Talmud of the Balshentov. The Magid was the great Talmud of the Balshentov who really created what we call today Chasidut. Khatuv. Kipamayana Chutz La Talmudim rachok mi Mezibush. Mezubuz is where the Bal Shem Tov was. That was the name of the town. And the people, for some reason, the people in the town had to know something about what was going on, say in Kiev, very far away. I remind you In the early 18th century, there probably were not too many phones or telegraphs, and the horse and buggy would take a long time to get from one place. They had to know right away. So, Patacha Besht, the Sefer Zohar. So, the Besht opened up his copy of the Zohar, Shayamunach, Alashulchan. It was always there, you know, on the table that he was learning on. And then he went out uh, unabashedly, and it doesn't say that he charged for the service. He told the Talmudim exactly what was going on in Kiev, far, far away. The light that a created on day one, Elokim Adam HaRishon used that light and was able to see what was going on from one end of the world to the other. Because that's what light is. Light enables you to see Okay, today, uh, light only enables us to see a certain distance. But if it was the light that was created by Kodesh Boch on the first day of creation, that light would enable you to see from one end of the world to the other. Hainu, that is to say, bisof This is a This is a phrase that's well known in the Zohar, and it means from the end of the world, from the edge of the world that is covered up, which goes from up to down, and until the end of the world that is uncovered, there comes milamata alimala. In the Kabbalah, they always thought that there was some relationship that could be established between heaven and earth, between the world of God and the world of earth, there was some kind of, uh, uh, and and so the are, the are that God created made that possible. Remember that in Bereshit there are certain stories about how people wanted to get to heaven. Remember that? People wanted to get, they thought they could get to heaven. They knew they could get to heaven. And and this would not have been a good idea. But there was something in the world that made them think that way. Ra'ah. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu saw that people, they can't really be trusted. They can't, uh, Well, you can give them this light, they're going to try to go to heaven, they try to bring heaven down to earth. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu hid that light away. Where was it lit? Where was it hidden? It was hidden in the Torah. Adam lo Torah This is the Bal Tov says. It's like it's not a story where anything happens. It's just a story about learning Torah. So the Baal Shem Tov says, May A person who learns Torah for its own sake. The light, that light of Ayoba He or lights up the world from one end to the other, meaning from the bottom to the top. From the top to the bottom. And so the story is told that this happened several times. So that the light, the light according to the best, clarifies God's world. There the, was the lack of clarity is Vayavdel that in the parashiyot of Buryata Olam, Akkoresh Bogel says many times that there was a distinction made between the heaven and the earth. A distinction made between the land and the waters. But that's not because the distinction is the ultimate sense of things. That ultimately there's heaven and there's earth. But that ultimately there's a a, a synthesis between the heavens and the earth. Heavens make sense on earth if you have the light. If you have the light which connects. And if you studied physics, you know that light has special qualities It goes as far as anything can go. When we decide how the universe is, so that will be as far as it goes. But if the universe will go on forever, the light will also go on forever. So that light, that light is found in the Torah. That's what the Besh said. Who put it in the Torah? Who made it part of the Torah? That was Moshe Rabbeinu. Because as the Meshi law said, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to teach B'nai Yisrael Torah as he had learned the Torah. He wanted them he wanted them to have the light. And the story is that there really were some people who were able to use the light of the Torah to see God's universe as a complete, as a whole. So they came to the Baal Shemto, who apparently had some connection to this light. And they said to the Baal what's going on? What's happening in the world? He told them. He would open the safer, In his case, he opened the Zohar, according to the story. And he was able to see from one end of the world to the other. Have a good job.